Are you as excited as we are for the new season to begin? Who are the teams we're most excited to see and why? Will the Sixers figure out how best to use Ben Simmons? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. It's been a little bit of a time since the last one, traveling, busy, the ennui of uh, the offseason, but... As always, we have Jared Weiss driving with us right now. Jared of the Athletic, uh, really of the Athletic at this point. Can we can we say that? Sure. Hey, sports fans. So, Jared, what we have to talk about some things going into the season because we're getting close. Next week is uh, training camp. Believe it or not, we've actually had there's been some media days with some teams already. Yeah, we've already had the only media day I'm really interested in, which is the Brooklyn Nets media day. And uh, Kyrie and KD were exactly as you thought they would be. Kyrie was voluminous and garrulous and didn't understand what he was talking about a lot of the time. Um, surprisingly, actually, like, had a pretty solid mea culpa on, on the Celtics situation, which I think was pretty much the closure that he needed to provide so that he could move forward with and Boston can move forward with him. He doesn't have to deal with it anymore. Um, and then KD was standoffish and prickly and uncomfortable, as always. So. Sure. Yeah, nothing changes. Yeah, and, uh, and then we I had think, this think we controversy. All having, yeah, we all, we all, I felt like Neo dodging the bullets in the first Matrix just not having to be there for that situation. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, we also had a little bit of Sam Presti KD feud going on with uh, KD expressing his uh, – I guess he sounded frustrated that, like, he just never really connected with OKC and they never heard from them. And, and uh, I, I like what Presti said. It was like, hey, if he ever needs anything or wants anything, like, we're here for him, we'll, we'll be right there. So – uh, maybe there's nothing, nothing, no smoke there. Oh, there's always smoke. Yeah, I, I don't. I just, as much as I want to, I just can't really ever side with Katie on these things. It just, it always seems born out of a pettiness and lack of self awareness. And I think he just, I think it's that a lot of it is that like he doesn't, he doesn't react or take things in stride the way that most professional athletes do, which is why he's like pretty much the only superstar that is deep into the comments, replying to people, right? Um, you know, stuff like that. Like he, he's a lurker, he's a poster, <laughs> he is all those things on social media. Um, and he just can't, he just doesn't let things roll off his back. I, I wish he would, cause you know, he's one of the most famous people in the world and he's gotta be, probably has like half a billion dollars at this point. I mean, he's got, he's got pretty much nothing to really worry about life. Right, right. Well, you know, maybe you can argue that that's the motivation. You know, I know Michael Jordan needed you sure. know, to, to create stuff for him to keep on his toes. So you never know. But, yeah, it definitely has a little air of sort of pettiness. And it's. It, I think it makes for, you know, really good interviews and, and really, you know, interesting stuff to talk about at least. So we can't we can't fault them for, for helping us do our jobs, I guess. I mean, the one thing I do love about KD is that um, he's one of those players that every once in a while is willing to kind of really crack open the Pandora's box of – of like the actual like expert level stuff, the stuff that we try to talk about. And so every once in a while you, you get that out of him and very few players really ever do that. It's kind of like pulling Heath a lot of the time with yeah. these guys. And well, he, he, he like, he does it almost as, as like a kind of you to the media for being too simple minded. But actually there's like lots of reporters, there's lots of us out there that really want him to go into it. Right. 
Well, by the way, he was also a, a little bit controversial talking about uh, the offense the Warriors ran and whether it was efficient or whether it worked for him in the later rounds of the playoffs compared to the earlier rounds. And so guess what? I'm going to do a video on this exact subject. And we actually have some really compelling stats to, uh, well, either they back him up or they say he's completely wrong. I, I have to wait and see what happens uh, when I release it next week. But, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that, that they even got Steve Kerr to respond uh, and, and basically vehemently agree with what he said about, uh, you know, the, the offense isn't for, you know, the finals. Yeah, well, it, was that Kerr was saying? I think Kerr was just generally saying that any offensive system gets compromised in the finals because of the level of defensive intensity. And so you have to break out of it and go to isolation more. That's kind of the way I interpreted it. Yeah, no, and, and I think that's what Durant was saying, too. He also likened it to Michael Jordan. Um, you know, that said, almost every title that Michael won like hinged on some sort of team play where he had to make a pass to somebody else to, you know, as part of the offense to get open and hit it, except for games uh, six and against Utah in 98. So, um, you know, but, but clearly he had to carry them a lot of other times, too. So I agree, I think, and then we're going to go through and really show the differences in how the offenses ran uh, from one uh, series to the next. And, uh, and really, you know, dive in there because I feel like um, we have seen other teams maintain their, their integrity offensively it was a team concept and win. You know, like, I guess like the, the Blazers in 76 or 77 come to mind, but um, yeah, maybe, and maybe even the, uh, the uh, Pistons of 04. But uh, it's much more common to see the, what he's talking about. So, um, but let's talk about some teams going into this season. What do you say, Jared? Yeah, so we wanted to do, I wanted to call it Fuck, Mary Kill. I think we're going to go in or out. So, I mean, it makes sense that it's the Beatball Breakdown show. So, you list off a bunch of teams. We're going to say at the same time whether we're in or out, and then we'll, we'll debate on that. Okay, so we're, I think the phrase we're going to say is I'm in or I'm out, right? Sure. So, it'll be like Rochambeau. So, are we going to do it? I guess it'll be, a, I'll say the team, and it's like that slight beat, and then boom, we'll just say it. Okay, you ready? All right, I'm ready. As if we didn't plan this before. Okay, uh, let's start <laughs> off with a team. Are you ready? Am I going to uh, get my randomizer out here and I'm going to choose a team? All right, here we go. Um, the Knicks. I'm in. Wow. Out. Okay, I thought we were at the same time, but either way, you are out on the Knicks. Okay, I just did a video on Frank Nilakina. Very excited about him. And my, uh, this is the irrational, exuberant uh, time of the season. Why are you out on the Knicks, man? Uh, because I don't think they're going to run the four power forward in the center lineup that I dream of. But um, they didn't they didn't create good roster balance this offseason. Um, it's funny because I would be more in if they had been doing what a smart organization would do, which is putting more resources and trust into Frank Filikina earlier on. Um, because, I mean, we, I wouldn't expect him to be doing what he did at the World Cup. But still, like, his he can develop as a guard. He was kind of thrown into the scrap heap as a rookie. It was kind of, it was like almost as if, like it wasn't like Phil Jackson picked him, like Cam Johnson was picked by Phoenix, where they picked him 40 spots ahead. They picked him like a spot or two ahead of where he was supposed to go. He's a talented guy who's supposed to be a very limited offensive player coming into the league, and they were hoping he would make progress as a dribble drive guy, and we're starting to see that he's doing a little bit of that, and now he seems like a useful rotation player. But he's just so is so far behind because they just always, always make the wrong decisions when it comes to their player development program as a core. I mean, they've done a good job of you know finding different players like Alonzo Trier, 
Uh, I think David Dodson was pretty useful for a little while. They obviously hit a home run and taking Mitchell Robinson really took him. So, like, they do a pretty solid job of finding, like, good value players. But when it comes to the guys that they're supposed to prioritize their team around, they just seem to always screw it up. At least I, they have I a good coach. I, I mean, listen, they were, they were incentivized not to win last year. So that was part of the cloud hanging over them. I, I kind of feel like that should be different this year. I think it's finally clear that the tanking thing just doesn't really seem to be worth it. Um, and they have. here's the funny thing about it, is that we're talking about all the power forwards they have. But when you look at the, the issue at guard for a guy like Neil Aquino to get uh, minutes, he's kind of stuck behind other players too. So maybe they have a lot of everybody. And the other, the other thing you have to remember is that the bottom of the Eastern Conference, that eighth spot, you know that should be a that should be pretty open. I feel like there's not a lot of great teams. You know, six, seven, eight, or seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There might be an opening for them to compete and then sort of be in that hunt. You know, come March where it's close. I don't think it's crazy to say that. It's not, no, it's definitely not crazy. I think for me, it's that their offense is going to be pretty dependent on R.J. Barrett, and Barrett I think needs to be in a system where he's surrounded by kind of you know smart spread shooters. And I mean, I'm trying to remember their guard rotation off the top of my head while I'm sitting in traffic here. And you can list it off for me. But I just don't really see them putting with the with the moves that they made this offseason. I don't think they really necessarily put the team in position to have that. At least all the guys that they brought in are stretch bigs. And they could play Morris at the three, you know, theoretically, I guess. Um, even though I think Barrett probably would be better off as a three in the NBA. It's too early to tell at this point. Um, but... You know, if it's if it's Morris and Randall, you know, I, I, I went down to New York and watched Randall work out this offseason and he was bearing threes left and right. So he's probably going to be an even more improved three point shooter. And he took a pretty nice step forward with that last year. Um, but I just don't know where who's going to be. Who are the guys that are really good deep shooters? You know, Morris is a pretty streaky even solid shooter. Randall streaky even solid shooter. Mitchell Robinson obviously does not shoot the ball at all. But at least in Bobby Portis, they have someone who is, I think is trending towards being a solid shooter at the five position. So, you know, they can't put those lineups together, but they just don't, they don't have right. enough strong points and spread options around Barrett to make me think that they right. can really run that drive and kick offense effectively. Well, don't forget about Damian Dotson, who shot, you know, decently from three and has a nice shot. And I would imagine he could probably, if he continues to improve as a younger player, uh, you know, uh, get that higher. Uh, Alonzo Trier is, is one of those guys who's just, he's a sickening Skill-wise, he just makes guys look foolish, <laughs> and um, I, I, you know, he didn't really shoot a ton of threes. I, I would have a, a feeling that he could probably be another guy who could get to be competent from three-point land. I mean, last year he actually did shoot thirty-nine percent on very low volume. So look for him to actually be that kind of guy, especially off the bounce, because he's just so good. So I think that there's room to surprise a lot of people, and I think that if Neil Aquina ends up being like their fourth guard, that's not bad. Like, I think what we saw in uh, – I did the video in uh, – what we saw with him in France was um, you know, a, a smoother handle, uh, more willing to shoot the deep ball. I, you know, I don't think he's going to get up beyond 35% from three, but at least the willingness is there. So, uh, you know, and again, another, another season to get uh, Fizdale's system and everything in place. So – I don't know. I'm a little bit excited for them, so I think uh, we should at least give them a slight benefit of the doubt for the first couple months and see what happens. Hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura's COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. 
ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash breakdown. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-R-E-A-K-D-O-W-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash breakdown. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So, yeah, so my concern is the, the ways they can do these lineups. It's You can have DSJ at the one who, you know, street, he's a guy that is capable of shooting the deep ball, but has been incredibly streaky so far. Uh, and then Barrett at the two, Morris three, Randall four, Robinson five. That's, you know, that you only have two probably decent shooters at this point, and they're both pigs. Um, then you could do, I mean, you could start Wayne Ellington. It's possible that they try to really stagger everything, and you start Wayne Ellington to make sure you have that stretch thing out. I, I, I don't know. Wayne Ellington, I feel like it's been a while since he's been in the starting rotation, so he's probably not probably not going to happen. So I'm not really sure how they, how they kind of make things fit. But maybe they just want to be a post-up team. Um, who does a lot of high pick and roll, and they're not really worried about having a spread offense. Um, it's it, they're just they're not they're not quite put together in a way that makes me think that they're ready to win 38 games. I think they're still a low 30s team at, at best at this point. But a lot of it depends on DSJ. I mean, DSJ has been kind of all over the place for the last year. He is still an incredible talent and can be. An absolute monster attacking the rim and really, you know, really blow things up for them. So they could have two great rim attackers between him and RJ. Although, of course, RJ, I don't think he's a rookie who's going to quite get to that level, but at least will probably be pretty good attacking the lane. Right. We haven't mentioned, you know, Kevin Knox could develop as well and play a little. He showed a couple flashes a little bit. Oh, God. Bit. I keep forgetting about him. That's you know, <laughs> Julius so, Randle. That's a- um, yeah, but listen. Sorry, forget everything I was saying. Kevin Knox yeah. is definitely going to be starting uh, right. for them. So yeah. Marcus Morris might have be coming off the bench. And then, and then your friend and mine, Iggy Brisdakis, who looked pretty good in summer league. Um, and you never know, guys sprains an ankle, whatever they throw him out there, and he gets a chance and plays well. So you're right; it's a, it's a misfit of parts. Um, and but there's talent in there, and I feel like at some point, if you're going to be in that uh, in the hovering in that in that zone of the Eastern Conference, there should be uh, plenty of room to kind of you know beat some teams, get some wins, if that's what they want to do. That's the only last question. I don't know if they're going to want to try and get another high draft pick again, but it's time. I think the Knicks fans deserve uh, you know a fun team that's going to play hard and try and win every game. Yeah, and I, I should just say that the fact that I completely forgot about Knox says a lot about how Knox's rookie season went. So I still yeah. like him. I think he's, he's a great talent. It's just, no, uh, I, summer league was amazing. The regular yeah. season was not. It wasn't. It wasn't great. But you know, every once in a while, there's enough to be like, hey, there could be something here. So uh, we'll see sure. how we train over the summer and if you got any more, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, all right, are you ready for the next team? Next team. The next team is the L.A. Clippers. I'm in. Oh, of course I'm in. Okay, uh, that's an easy one, I guess. We now have arguably the best uh, defensive team, right, or at least the best wing defenders on the same team that we ever had, short of maybe MJ and Scotty. Is it short of? 
Uh, I don't know if I said sort of or sort of, but either way, uh, they're – I don't know. Man, MJ and Scotty, man, uh, I mean, it's got to be right there. Ever at their position, but the PG and Kawhi are close, except that uh, Kawhi has not been defending at, at his reputational level for the last year or so. So I think it's definitely not at that level right now. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and they're also just longer. Both of them are longer than either of those guys. Although, well, maybe Pippen was close, but Pippen was only about 6'7". Yeah, six, Pippen seven. was the same size as Paul George, probably. Paul, no. Because yeah, yeah. is Paul George actually 6'10"? I, I yeah, he's legit, like 6'9", 6'10", okay. and then, and then Ka- Kawhi is 6'8", right? Whatever he is. And he's, and well, I think Kawhi is listed at 6'6". Six, six. I think it's just that his shoulders are so high and his wingspan's so long oh, that okay. it feels like he's 6'8", but I'm pretty sure he's listed at 6'6". Six, six. Either way, we're going to find out, thanks to Mark Stein's report, that they're going to uh, they're going to make teams remeasure everybody without shoes on, which oh. is going to be a. That's going to make. Oh, you're, if you haven't heard, yeah, that's a, a. A lot of people are about to get very upset because <laughs> right. everyone's height is inflated by an inch and a half to two and a half inches right now. Well, all um, they got to do is take to go to Pilates for a, few, a week or two and really, you know, exactly. stretch themselves out. Um, well, listen, there's there's a lot of things to be happy with here, and they did a. I mean, they have a great. They did a great job over the summer, obviously, to get these two. Uh, Guys to come, uh, and they they kept what I thought was the most important things intact. You, you know, you're talking about Lou Williams is going to come off the bench and just light it up again. I don't see him slowing down, which is also amazing. Then you're talking about Harold uh, down low, who's just a monster beast, and he's been working on a three point shot. Have you seen that? Yeah, if he's if he can even shoot outside of 18 feet, he's got some, he's got significant all star potential, which is crazy to say, as he's probably the fifth best player on the team or something like that. Right. Um, so. Harold, I love him. Watching, I think him and Lou Will in the pick and roll was my favorite pairing to watch in the NBA pretty much last year. Uh, there, I mean, it's just, I don't think, I, I can't remember the last pick and roll guy that I saw that was like him, where he's just this kind of this freight train who comes through the lane, and no matter how far he tries to jump from the rim, no matter how early they send the trap at him, he just still barrels through everyone, jumps up and throws it down with two hands. I mean, it's, it's right. unbelievable. It's a little bit like Dwight Howard used to be. It's true. It's a little different, though. I think he, he has a level of tenacity that Dwight never had. It was something I used to always criticize Dwight for. He just – and I think it was mostly that Dwight, for some reason, even though he's a power guy, had a finesse back to the basket game. It did, never made any sense. But right. he, um, he just – he did – I think Dwight didn't like pushing guys over. He liked trying to get – around and through guys but he didn't like to try to just like knock guys over the way that Harold does yeah Harold just plays with his edge it's just it's unlike anyone else in the league yeah he's mean you don't want to get near I don't want to even try and guard him he's going to go through you over you around you doesn't matter and uh and and he's been awesome at that so he should by the way running pick and roll with both um Paul George and um um Hello, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. Um, the, he should be getting even even more opportunities because those guys shoot off the dribble off from the three. They're going to have to try and really focus on stopping them. So he should get unbelievably open looks and, and could feast. I mean, you're talking about 10 rebounds a game, and you're talking about, I mean, he could he could get up to 17 points a game, I would think, almost, right? Like, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound crazy if he gets the right minutes. Yeah, I, I think – well, I mean, if it weren't for having both Kawhi and PG on the team, I think you would probably be able to get the 20 points pretty easily. It's just that there's only going to be so many points they can distribute. But, hey, maybe their offense is scoring 115 a night, and yeah. there's going to be four 20-point scorers on this team. I, I, I wouldn't put it past them. And I wouldn't put it past you to use a terrible old razor when manscaping. Let's face it. 
using the same trimmer on your face as you use on your balls is plain nasty. And that's where Manscaped comes in. Their skin-safe technology is built right into their Lawnmower 2.0 and ensures no nicking or snagging of your nuts. They've also got the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. I'm talking about walking out of your house with a strut you haven't ever felt before. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use my code BREAKDOWN at manscaped.com. Trust me, women these days dig it when you manscape. I just manscaped yesterday, and I'm not kidding when I tell you it's really fun to do when you're safe in the knowledge you won't hurt your nuts. So head over to Manscaped right now and save a little money with my code BREAKDOWN. Your balls will thank you. Well, my um, next pred- prediction out of that whole thing, though, is if they get the offense tuned in right, I think that Landry Shamit could be the first high-volume three-point uh, shooter to get to 50% for a season. And I, I mean, I'm talking about like five, six a game minimum. Uh, we've seen it a little bit in the past on low volume. So I think, I think he could easily be that guy because that's the guy they're going to have to leave open. Where was he last year? Was it like 42.5%-ish? Uh, he was. Last year he was at 45%. On six, he was that high. Wow. Yeah. Holy crap, man! I mean, he was. It's funny. His uh, his agent kept uh, hyping <laughs> hyping him up to me the entire like throughout the draft process, and I was like, yeah, you know, I like him. And you know, the more I started to watch him, I'm like, you know, I, I could see how he could be a you know a nice off ball shooter that could run a little pick and roll, maybe be a Brogdon type in the NBA. Oh. And then he gets to the end. Gets to the NBA and like JJ Redick turns him into like his clone in like a month. It was well, insane. time out. Let's not get let's not let's not get JJ Redick all that that that, that uh, props yet. Here's the, here's the story you might not know. So okay. there's a company you might have watched the All Star game from New York two years ago. On the bottom of the screen when they're doing the three point contest, they were tracking where the ball was going in the rim and um, and the arc. That was a company from Israel that I'm friendly with uh, that was doing this at workups during the um, during the draft. And they were looking at all these different three-point shooters, and they discovered one thing about the best shooters, that they bunched their shots up in a, in a four- or five-inch radius consistently in the rim. So you can think about it like if you're, as if you're like a sharpshooter hitting a target, you know. That's what it looks like to them. And um, there were several players who were in, his, in Landry Shamit's group that all shot the same percentage from three or almost the same. The GMs would have been like, oh, they're all the same kind of shooters. But Shamit was the only one who actually bunched his shots up like that. And they're like, that's the guy you want to choose. He's the really good shooter. And guess what? They were right, they were, they were right on. It's incredible the preci- the precision that we have now in the you know, analysis. It's unbelievable because it it makes sense, right? It's not just that you're able to get the shot, and it's it's a de- it's a deeper level of precision than the binary make or miss that it gives you a ton more value to be able to predict who's going to be better and better. So I'd rather have a guy that is much more precise on a micro level than a guy that's less precise, but maybe shoots a little bit better because you probably go to the tape and you can see that a guy that's more precise probably has a higher degree of difficulty or is taking different types of shots. Well, so it's pretty fascinating. I'll have to see more about that. And it do, I think it does talk about um, uh, what coaches love the most is consistency. I, you know, it's frustrating to have a guy who could hit like three or four threes in a row and then miss ten. And it's just you're all over the place. And we've seen that a lot. And we haven't even delved into the numbers that as much as we need to on that. Uh, I had done it one year where we spent a lot of time looking at all the numbers and who was more consistent in terms of number of misses in a row versus number of makes. But um, that is really key here because if you have that ability to mechanically to recreate your shot and then you know that the, the, the makes are within that four or five inch radius, 
that that means a lot in terms of overall success, uh, especially at, at the NBA level when when you you can't even see the rim half the time when you're shooting. Well, I remember I think it was Steve Kerr told me when I was working on my shooting story last year was that you always as a coach would rather have a guy that shoots two for five and then three for five the next night rather than someone that goes one for five and then four for five. It's that you can, as a coach, you can always count on that much more steady guy, even if he's not able to hit the highs of highs that some of the others can, because that reliability is what allows you to build that game plan and help your team more. And, you know, Coach Kerr is a very smart man. The football season is back, and now you can get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and make your bets on your favorite professional or college team. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser. Straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the season. Will Mahomes throw for 56 TDs? Can the Pats go undefeated? Bet on all of this with the fastest odds updates and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join today and use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Get into all the action today with betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so let's choose another team to decide if we're excited or not excited about seeing them in this year. Are you ready, Jared? Let's go. The OKC Thunder. I'm out. Out. Yes. I don't think – I don't know if I want to see how Chris Paul and uh, uh, and Russell Westbrook are going to work together. Do you? Well, thankfully we don't have to see that happen, at least. Why not? Uh, Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul are going to work together. Wait, am I completely missing something? Well, they got traded for each other, so it would be hard for them to play together. Oh, my God. You know what? Let's do this again. I, you know what? That's why yep. I fully forgot. You know what? I, yep. I, I like had mixed two different memories, and then yeah, okay. You know what? <laughs> then I, maybe I should put Houston in the least excited thing. Then maybe oh, that's really? what I okay. meant in my weird way was uh, I don't want to see Russ and, and Harden play together. No, I want, we, should, we should definitely do that. But let's do right. Thunder first. Well, I'm fascinated yeah, by that, so I don't know where I'd put them. It's the problem. But all right. Let's do the but Thunder, you, I guess. Are you sure? Wait, wait, yeah, right. and then let's and then let's do the Rockets after that. All right, here we go. Okay, let's look at another team and decide if we like them or not, or at least are very excited or not excited to watch them. Are you ready, Jerry? Let's go. The OKC Thunder. I'm out. In. I'm in. You are? And that doesn't mean I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I am in on watching them. I'm excited to watch that team play. Why? And here's why. Because they have a lot of the components of the Clippers team that was my favorite team to watch in the league last year. They have they got like the trade that they made was so unbelievably great. It's unbelievable. I cannot believe how good the trade was. They get Gallinari, who's finally after years and years and years of us waiting for him to get healthy and to really take the next step. He finally is taking the next step to being a borderline All Star player. I would say. Um, and then Shea, I just I'm one of those people that just loves watching Shea. Um, he just he gives me something different every single night. I think he's one of these guys that. He found his footing as kind of like a wing, essentially, in his first year. But I think he still has a lot of really good point guard skills. And to have him next to Chris Paul, who I think is a guy that 
has he's definitely a different player, but I think can do I think Shea can do a decent amount of the stuff that Chris can do as far as his pacing and body control to attack the lane. That I think that if Chris Paul is sticking around and it's not a bad teammate, which I assume he's not gonna be a bad teammate even if he wants to get traded to Miami, I think Shea is in the perfect learning environment to spend a year or whatever it will be with Chris and develop that skill set. So I'm watching that team so I can find out what happens with Shea? Is Shea going to turn into a superstar, or is he going to top out as a good starter, maybe borderline all-star, maybe a you know another Dejounte Murray type? Which Dejounte Murray's in his second season of playing at this point, so it's too early to even make that call. God damn it! Also, Jared. I love Stephen Adams. God damn it, Jared! I think you just made me completely change my opinion on this team. <laughs> it's the power of Shea. Yeah, no, I, you're right. I, I mean, listen, Shea did very nicely in the playoffs and as a rookie. Like, that doesn't always happen that well. He looked very polished and very uh, unintimidated by the lights and the pressure. So, yeah, and you're right. That point about him playing alongside Chris Paul will really help him, too. So, okay, uh, you're right about Gallinari. He was really a tough player, really, like, you know, that kept the, the Clippers relevant, on, you know, until they are now here where they, where they are now. And after they got rid of um, – um, the, the other all-star that went to Philly, um, Tobias Harris. So, uh, I, by the way, this is our chance now because now that Russell Westbrook is gone, can we finally just sort of say it completely out in the open that, like, the whole M.O. of the Thunder the last three years was to get him, Russell his triple-double? Can we, yep. like, that? that's, like, probably should be out in the open if it's not. And now that he's gone, like, Stephen Adams gets to get all the rebounds he wants, Right. Is Steven Adams going to average like 17 rebounds a game this year? Uh, like, I seriously think he's going to go crazy there, as he should. So suddenly you have Steven Adams, who's always underrated. You have Gallinari, you have Shea, you have Chris Paul. Uh, you still have Terrence Ferguson. I think he's going to be back with his defense, right? He's, uh, oh, he's back. Andre Robertson is back from his injury, finally, right? That's a good question. Uh, I think it's an open question mark. Okay. Either way. So it's going to be uneven. They're stuck in the Western Conference. It's going to be, you know, not great for them in theory, but uh, it could be fun and it could be exciting at least to see what they do. And you know what? We can't count out Chris Paul forever. At some point, he, you know, he, he, he can remind us of who he is. And, um, and this, could be, this could be a fun team. I'm still on the fence. I'm going back to I'm, – I'm, I'm in between now. Yeah, and I mean, Chris Paul's been playing hurt for the last couple of years. So, right. I mean, he's, he's at the age where you don't expect him to, like, have a – finally be healthy and spring to life the way that like Kemba Walker did for instance last year right. so you know who knows what and Mike Conley did to a degree last year so you don't really know what's left from CP3 you know he's still good enough obviously that he can still be a guy that leads a you know a playoff contending team and I think they have the pieces there that they have enough talent on board that if everyone has a really good year they can be a team that is playoff caliber it's just that obviously with the math on you know, finding AUS teams that puts them pretty much at the bottom half of the fringe there. Without but they're going to be—I think they're going to be one of the probably five most interesting teams to watch this year from a player development and you know fit perspective. Okay. And don't forget they have Dennis Schroeder. They have three—they have three very distinct and fascinatingly talented point guards. Yes, they do. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, let's go on to another team. Are you ready? Let's go. The Philadelphia 76ers. I am out. In. 
All right, let's go. Tell me. Bye. Let's go. I just don't think the Horford thing works for them when they picked him up. I don't know how that's going to work. You know, I guess he's going to come off the bench, right? He's not going to start alongside no, Embiid, no, no. is he? Of course he's of course he's starting. I think we already had this argument before, but still. All right, so I'm not sold on that pairing. And then I'm also really not sold on just Ben Simmons and Embiid together as a pairing that's going to get them any farther than they've already gotten until uh, now. What is What does he need to do this season for you to change your mind on that? Okay, did you happen to notice that Brett Brown was quoted saying that he is not going to have Simmons in the dunker spot as much this year? Yes, which is, I think we talked about that on the show more than anyone in the world. Has. Yes, but here was the thing that I always, I, to me, it was Simmons just kind of wandering down there on his own. If it really turns out that this was a design that the coach was telling him to do that, then I'm, that's really a problem. That's even worse than anything because we had seen how much better it was when he doesn't go down there. Like, how could that have been a thing they were still encouraging late into the season? So that, that's a troubling thing for me as well. I mean, I don't want to make a huge deal out of that, but, but I, I'm mystified by that whole thing. Well, I wasn't mystified. I thought that it was always assumed. I mean, one, I've talked to Brett about it specifically, so I knew I never was under the guise that it was him breaking um, strategy. But the reason why he's in the dunker spot most of the time is mostly that they're appeasing his stylist of choice is that he's limited in his change of pace capability still. He still gets a bit, he's still one of those drivers that he gets ahead of steam and then he kind of meets the trap on the box and he just jumps in the air and passes it, which is still this really annoying uh, habit that he gets into. I think he, a lot of the time he jumps in the air because he wants to put up a floater off the glass, which hopefully he's gotten his touch to the point that he starts getting confident and hitting that shot because that's where he, you know, takes that leap to being a 25 point score if he can start really hitting that shot. But he, I think it's a lot of the time is that he just keeps dribbling into that position in the dunker spot because he'll attack, face the trap, pass out of it, and then he just kind of runs and kind of breaks at the like 15 feet short corner area and then tries to meander from there. And it's not like he can reset out to the top of the key because he's, you know, he's not too much of a threat from that point. So I think it was just a matter of making it easy for him. To figure out what and that, both skill wise, just reading the floor and knowing where to go wise. Okay, well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I guess so. I just feel like what we saw from him out of the high post, what we saw from him running the, 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 the offense out top, uh, coming off of handoffs, it was like that, that just should have been the thing they were doing nonstop. And if not, then don't play him uh, it, rather than put him in a dunker spot where he was just getting in the way and, and just not maximizing how good he was. I know people were like, well, that's a very normal alignment for an NBA team, even in the modern era, to have him there. But it's just specifically him. Here's a guy that can, you know, if you want to throw Amir Johnson there, great. But if you want to put Ben Simmons, of all people, you know, that's a problem. Now, that said, his jump shot might be cured, right? Like, we've seen all this amazing footage of him nailing shots. So maybe that'll change and he'll just be on the uh, player now. Anyway. It's not, going to be, it's not going to be cured, but if he could just start – driving and popping from 12 feet out that's enough to that's enough at this point of his career to make him great i think this is going to be the best nba season we've ever had with all the trades and free agent signings so many teams will be so good and there will be tons of great storylines i'll be glued to my couch watching every night if you are too you've got to glue yourself to the best couch out there burrow with hours of couch time on your schedule, now is the perfect time to upgrade that lumpy old couch that you've been meaning to replace forever. 
your burrow sofa can handle even the rowdiest game day hang. With a kill-dried Baltic birch frame and durable fabric that's naturally scratch and stain resistant. Burrow is totally customizable. Pick your fabric color, leg finish, armrest style, and length. You can add a chaise lounge or ottoman or both. With built-in USB chargers, you can keep up with the latest trade news without worrying about your phone dying. Burrow's sofas are easy to set up and easy to move, and you can always add or remove seats as needed. And Burrow offers free one-week shipping, so you can have your new sofa all set up by next week's game. This NBA season, don't settle for your same old couch. Settle into a comfy new Burrow sofa. Get 75 bucks off a new sofa and free one-week shipping at burrow.com slash breakdown. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash breakdown for $75 off a new sofa. Well, I, I will say this. I, I do like replacing Richardson or replacing Redick with Richardson because Richardson's a decent three-point shooter and he's a much better defender. Um, and I feel like, you know, that was an issue that they had with J.J. out there defensively when they, they could target him. And uh, they also just asked J.J. to dribble too much. It was frustrating to me. I feel like he's such a great player when he's just, you know, moving off the ball and catching and shooting. And even though, you know, he, he's improved his handle, it just wasn't the, the best look for them overall. It was just too much. So I will give them credit for I think that's a, that's a probably in the grand scheme of things an upgrade, even though you're talking about J.J. Redick. But I do feel like he might fit in better with them overall. It's funny because I think Redick's ball handling was more a consequence of Simmons' limitations and that they only had like, – it was a lot of the time it would be Simmons making the pass to him and then Redick couldn't just kick it back to Simmons because Simmons wouldn't really be able to do anything with it. So it forced J.J. to try to attack off of the curl – which I don't mind JJ attacking off of an up fake on the DHO or whatever. Like that's great. Um, you know, he can at least you know, drive down the lane and then kick it to the to the strong side corner. Like that he can at least handle. Um, but they don't. They didn't have the right personnel to be able to keep you know turning that wheel and swinging the ball around because Simmons would kind of be caught on an island. But the funny thing though is that I look at it as that Richardson's replacing Butler and Horford is the one that's replacing JJ Redick. I mean I know literally. Harris is going to be the one kind of doing more of what, what Reddick was doing to a degree. But it's that Horford is the one that's providing that stretch that they're losing when with J.J. going. And Richardson, I think, is going to be filling some of the probably secondary isolation or pick-and-roll ball handler duty and being the kind of the targeted defender that you're going to send on to other wings. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it, very good points overall. So uh, I'm not moving my opinion on that, but uh, I will certainly keep my eyes open and see how that's going to work because, it, you know, they, they, this is their probably their last great ch- chance at, like, you know, taking control of the Eastern Conference. I can't imagine if they have the same year they do as they did last year, this year, that they're going to ultimately be more patient uh, going into next year. I, I don't know why. I just, I'm not sure why I'm saying that, but it just feels like, at some point, you got to look at this team, look at the construction of your stars, and figure, you know, is this time or is it not? So, right, doesn't that feel like it to you? This is like their, this is it. Like, this is the best chance they have right now. Yeah, because they signed Simmons to that deal knowing that they can trade him on that deal pretty easily. I mean, he's he's already worth the salary that he's getting, I believe, and then he's going to continue to improve. But it's just a matter of can they make him work with Joel? I mean, Joel, I mean, you know, I think both of us are, are huge Joel fans and have been, I think we both thought he had historic capability coming into the league um but some of the issues that we thought he had coming into the league are still apparent there's maturity issues there's decision making stuff patient stuff uh, and also just his three-point shot is still is not where it needs to be for him to you know 
really hit that top level and be a championship leader. Um, but, you know, he needs to it, – it's not just Ben that needs to improve. Like, Joel needs to continue to get better. And I think a lot of people looked at what Joel did last year, and they said he was basically an MVP candidate. So, you know, you, it, there's not that much onus on him to take this team to another level. But I disagree with that. I think there's still – so much room for him to grow, and he needs to keep doing that. And I mean, I think he probably will, which is why I thought he had potential to be a top 20 player of all time coming into the league. And I still think he has that potential. I agree. I agree. Well, we'll have to keep it. Uh, let's keep going here. We got a couple, maybe a more, one or two more teams left to talk about. I, I'm going to give you a choice, okay? I'm going to give you two teams. You get to choose what you want to do, okay? Are you ready? Let's, go. let's, let's choose between the Mavericks and the Warriors. Mavericks. Okay, so the Mavericks on my list, I'm in. I'm. I probably should have thought about it before I said Mavericks, because I'm in on the Warriors. I am. Me too. Oh God, I'm in. Okay. Okay. I still don't. I still don't think they have the talent yet to make the playoffs. Um, although at this point, if neither of neither of them are the Thunder are making the playoffs, and the playoffs are kind of set at that point, so maybe they can't pull it off. They um. I mean, I'm a huge Lucas Stan. I think Lucas is just going to take another huge step forward this season. Um, KP looks like a monster. And so he's I ready mean, to go if, on, on day one, right, next week? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was he was pretty close to ready to go when the season ended uh, you know, back in April. So, you know, if they if, – like if they had a couple of months, I wouldn't have been shocked if he was ready if he was playing at that point. Um, okay. But like I was watching him doing his warmups in April. I was there for the last game of the season, and he looked like horrifying even just in his warmups. And then he, he was already getting bigger, but he's a lot bigger now. Like he seems like he put on another 20, 30 pounds of muscle in the last couple of months. So he's going to be an absolute terror. Okay. Yeah, and I agree. I think that that pairing is enough to get excited about, even if they didn't have anybody else in the team. But, you know, they do have some interesting pieces that fit together. And with the coaching staff, uh, there's a lot of good things to really get behind. I mean, I, I really like Jalen Brunson. And I feel like if teams would look at a guy like that and sort of, you know, not give him a chance or not realize what he can do for you. And then eventually, he, he, you know, he gets in there and he, he reminds you, that, hey, he's really good. He's really tough. Uh, I, even like Tim Hardaway Jr. I know that like that seems to be a controversial thing, but I was so frustrated watching Wes Matthews out there, you know, just be a shell of what he used to be after his injury for the, all even for years. That uh, I, I just feel like Hardaway's a better fit. Like he's a, he's a better athlete now, and he moves better, and he can he can do a lot of things that Wes Matthews can do, and he might be even better than Wes and other things. So I think that was a great pickup for them. Definitely there. better. What's that? Definitely better. Yeah, yeah Wes. I mean. Maybe West gets really healthy over the offseason and can play well for Milwaukee, but I just watched him in the playoffs last year up close, and he couldn't do anything anymore. He couldn't really, could barely stay in front of guys. He's still a very smart defender, wasn't shooting that well, couldn't really attack off the dribble much. There's West is not doing that much anymore. Right, there you go. And you throw in all these nice role players that could fit along nicely, like Dwight Powell, Courtney Lee, uh, Justin Jackson. You know, had I, I, in my mind's eye, there was a couple moments of him, too, that said, oh, he that could be something, too. So... Um, I, I'm looking forward to this team. I think it'd be fun. Again, you know, the, the teams that are going to drop down, in if you're talking about, you know, uh, playoff contention, th- there's only one, like OKC probably drops down, right? And that means one probably. team moves up. And we know that team's going to be the Lakers. So it's really confusing to say, like, oh, yeah, the Dallas, they, they should make the playoffs. They have plenty of talent. But it's, I don't think that that's going to be, that's going to be really tough. Right? Who else drops down? 
Spurs. They always say that, and they never do. Uh, yeah, we all they're the they're the candidate, but yeah, we always say that they never do. They're getting Murray back. Uh, yeah, uh, White's going to be a year better, so we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but staying with Dallas, the thing that I really love is the DeLon Wright trade. They got him on a really good value deal. He is the perfect complement to Luca. He is a versatile defender that can cover both the one and two. Um, you know, he's improved as a shooter. Can is competent enough with the ball. Uh, yeah, that that was a that was a great signing. Fits perfect next to Luca. For them, they just got to make the pieces fit around Luca and KP, and they're gonna. I mean, they've got a dynamic duo there that can destroy the league. Yeah. So if it's not next year for whatever reason, just because it's so top heavy in the Western Conference, then you know, it, whenever it does click in, they they can easily jump from like ninth to th- second. You know what I mean? Like that's just going to be a thing where the, it'll just be they'll be great overnight, and then no one's going to stop them. So uh, hopefully they'll all keep in uh, in shape that way, or they'll all stay healthy um, with the KP's issues. So. Um, you got time for one more team? Let's do it. All right. Let's choose. Um, let me look at my list here. Well, we kind of mentioned the Warriors. Let's, let's move on to um, how about um, a team that's, you know, near and dear to your heart, I suppose, as well as mine. I guess the Nets. I'm, oh, yes. I'm in. I am out on the Nets. Uh, are you letting your, uh, your Kyrie bias creep in here? No, it's my DeAndre Jordan bias creeping in uh, here. Go on. Oh, you're ruining such a great thing, guys. You have Jared Allen in his third year, who's just basically like a young DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the DeAndre Jordan situation is very simple. It's, he decided to stop caring about the NBA for about a year and a half. And is he going to try again? That's, a, that's it. If he tries again, then yeah, they'll, they'll be really good. Um, I mean, there's. I definitely think he's losing a bit of a step, especially on defense. And with him and Kyrie out there, they could be pretty compromised offensively. But otherwise, I mean, offensively, they could be very good. I'm really excited about Harris Levert uh, this year. I mean, this that that's that guy. He's going to have. He's he's kind of in a similar place in his career to where Montrezl Harrell is, where I think he's. We're going to find out probably this year whether or not he's a, a surprise All Star or not. Because um, he just has so much momentum going for him, but like, it, it, a lot of it is just Kyrie. It's like I, I have no idea what to expect out of Kyrie because I saw him and what should have been a perfect situation for him, and he kind of messed it up, and then really messed things up. I mean, we did find out that he was going through, um, he was going through some family tragedy with his grandfather dying, and that really affecting him, and that was a big part of it, but. He's not the. He's also not the first player to have tragedy strike him. In fact, he was not the only player on the team last year that had tragedy strike him. And he's still, yeah. You know, that's not an excuse for having everything that happened happen. So it's like you just have no idea what the fucking Kyrie. But uh, there's no team with a bigger variance in the league, pretty much, than the Nets are because of Kyrie can either take them to being an absolute dominant force, or they could be a disaster with them. You have no idea. I hear you. Uh, I mean, I think what they have intact, if they can maintain that and have Kyrie come in, and maybe he's, you know, displayed, like you said, a little mea culpa, and he understands what he needs to do better as a teammate, uh, that, that that should be fun. I mean, again, yeah, like we said, they have a, they have the really great bones already in place for him to just jump right in and and. and Jumpstart this car. Torian Prince is another really good uh, addition for them, who can really should really flourish in this offense. 
um, and, and defensively too. I suppose then, are we ever going to see the mythical DeAndre Jordan um, alongside Jared Allen lineup? Uh, you know, <laughs> bear with me here for a second. If three-pointers are the big thing that we want, and we know that the best three-pointers are when you get an offensive rebound and kick it out, well, then why wouldn't we want to put a lineup out there that can, you know, guarantee that you can get that? I mean, I guess you're on the other end is when you have an issue. But think about that. You could probably just destroy the offensive boards, get multiple second possession or possessions, more possessions, and three-pointers out of that. Yeah, so I guess you could see that. Well, so what would the lineup be? It would be Kyrie, Harris, and who would you want the third shooter to be on this team? Okay, Kyrie, Harris, and, well, you know, Karooks is a good uh, shooter. Um I guess. Is that good enough? Is that the answer? Let me look at the... Uh... Oh, did I lose you again? Yeah, you know, with, with Kuruk's, uh, we don't know what his situation is going to be because of the charges against them. So who knows if he's going to be playing. Oh, really? But it's it's going to be... be that much of a problem? I mean, he was... charged with domestic assault. So yeah, he was very serious. So, so you know, KP was accused of sexual assault and didn't have. Well, he was injured, so they didn't need to. But you know, you, you never know how these things play out. Fair so, and by the way, Cruz was uh, not a good three-point shooter last year. Anyway, I, I thought he was, but he's, he shot thirty-one and a half percent. So that's not even a thing, anyway. Uh, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie could be that guy. Uh, you know, that way defensively they could be really long. Um, and hopefully his three-point shooting gets up to, you know, respectable levels as well. So, um, yeah, you're right. There was one – that's that third shooter we're kind of missing, and we have to, someone's going to have to take up that role. But uh, I don't know. It could be – why not? Try it. Well, I mean, they might as well experiment, that's for sure. They got to – there's probably going to be a lot of experimenting for that team. And, you, I mean, there are probably some teams in the NBA that you could use that lineup against. Um, trying to think of a good example, but uh, Sacramento – Who's going to have Marvin Bagley and Dwayne Dedman out there? You know, having two seven-foot defenders out there is a you know, pretty good idea. Um, trying to think who else. You know, Denver has Millsap and Jokic, so you could do it in that situation probably. Yeah. Even if Millsap is, you know, really is a stretch player. Um, but you can, yeah, yes, you can do Aiton and um, and Baines in, yeah, in, uh, in Phoenix. Baines. Yeah, it's funny the it's you know we we went to small ball very quickly and now we're starting to. <laughs> I think very slowly shift back just because all the bigs adapted and now the bigs coming into the league and the bigs that are around can shoot. So it, and now you have the guys, the really talented bigs coming into the league that can shoot and put the ball on the floor. So it allows you to play big because those guys can they can attack a closeout. So we might we might come come back to jumbo ball pretty soon where maybe the Knicks are onto something. Maybe you do need to play four power forwards out there now. I agree. Well, that's well, that was what Pat Riley's uh, vision was to have five uh, Magic Johnsons playing all together, and that's eventually we're going to have that. Either we're going to have that, and then we're going to have five forty percent three point shooters all in the same time at the court, and uh, and and you know the game will never be the same. Well, isn't that what the Warriors already did pretty much? So I guess the game never was the same. Uh, well, the, the Warriors didn't. You know, they were top heavy. You know, right? They had you know besides Curry, Durant, and KD. It seems like they were always sort of short after that as far as shooters, like really good three-point shooters on the t- alongside them. I was thinking the first championship team when it was oh, the, the, the original. Uh, Barnes. Uh, yeah, maybe. Barnes and Iguodala. 
I mean, Iguodala wasn't a forty percent shooter, but he right. but he was a major threat from three back then. So right, and then know, states. They, and, Dray- but, and Draymond was a great shooter that that year too. Yeah, so. but then, but not quite what we're talking about. I mean, we're, we're, I'm talking about like you know sure. real bona fide forty percent across the board yeah. for every five, position. Five Joe Harris's and Landry Shamans out there. Yeah, right. So all right, well, listen. Well, those are awesome stuff. Thank you for driving with us today, Jared. Just want to take take you all on a journey through the NBA. Absolutely. Well, uh, I cannot wait to get the season started, and hopefully we'll talk to you again in the near future when I get back onto regular schedule. So thank you for being here, Jared. Thank you all for listening. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Jared? I'm in Maine.